Mercy endures forever. Out loud say, for the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Amen. Give God a big shout as we get into the Word. Amen. Let's give our music team a hand. What a wonderful job this morning. Praise the Lord. Helping us enter into to praise and worship. Praise God. God is so, so good. Are you ready to get in the Word? Amen few announcements. I mean, Brother Martin covered it. What an amazing day yesterday. Uh, we, we just give God all the glory. We couldn't do any of that without His grace and without His help. But also, um, I, I want to commend our team. I mean, we've, uh, Carol, I think you sent me all of those pictures and I, I watched how God touched so many lives through just the extension of our church, just people. You know, the word was wonderful, but then when the people got out there and began to touch the lives, I seen people hugging people they didn't know, ministering to people they didn't know, just shedding tears of just love and lives being changed. It was a wonderful day yesterday. But if you think about it, we've been prepping and planning for, for weeks for this and still stuff's going on this afternoon. You know, manual labor and different things, clean up and taking stuff back and stuff's happening all the time but it all points towards the 110 people that were born into the kingdom of God and it's all about eternity amen but I want to thank and commend every worker that stood together uh, with Pastor Martin and in the vision of the all call event and what the church is all about amen winning souls and we're going to do it again I said we're going to do it again. You know, and, and Martin mentioned, you know, your, your tithes and your offerings have everything to do about that. If you weren't able to be there, but you support this ministry, what happens is, is your finances are able to go through a window into heaven so that heaven can now utilize what you give. And your faith is attached to that. And I thought about, as you said that while we were sitting there, the Bible says when you tithe, the, the tithe opens up the windows of heaven. Uh, for God to have access into your life. Think about what a window is. It gives access for things to come in, like a breeze. A breeze can come in if you open up your window. Well, when heaven has access to your stuff, God said heaven also has access into your life. And the windows of heaven, I believe, are open into your life for a supply to come like never before. Amen. God's your, God's your supply. He's your source. But I believe as you, if you, ha, as you have uh, contributed and cooperated with the eternal purpose of God's plan on this earth, and that's reaching people, that God is going to open up a window so that all of heaven's blessings can pour into your life like never before in Jesus' name. So we do appreciate your, your contributions as well. And I, I know this, things are things are going to get bigger and we're going to move faster there's going to be more events there's going to be different kinds of events and uh, this thing's going to spread like wildfire I was driving on the way to church today and, he, and God said this is going to get big and it's going to spread and many many lives are going to be touched around the nation and so get ready for that you're a part of something very very big and then I want to announce since you went ahead and announced it online I thought I'd just announce to the church that this couple right here is about to be a mom and dad and having a baby. Is that all right? I didn't, I didn't ask you, but you put it online. So I thought, I, I'm just celebrating this thing. I can't help but celebrate these two and the family that's beginning. And uh, 
then we, we got Taylor and John. They've been here. It's their third week back. But uh, we got little Jeremiah with them. And uh, praise God. Isn't, isn't our family growing? And we got Marvel back there. Hallelujah. Big things are happening. I got to hold Marvel yesterday for a long time. He didn't even want to go back to his mama. Just such a strong anointing on me, you know. It just kept him wanting to stay with the presence of God. Well, can you not tell that that home has the presence of God on it as well? And so we thank God for our people. We thank God for everybody here. Amen. And this family and both campuses and those that are watching and uh, we've got a wonderful, wonderful church. Praise God. And this is just the beginning of great things. Third thing I want to tell you, this Wednesday night, we have a dear brother from Canada, uh, Brother Ralph Rutledge. He's coming Wednesday night to minister to the church. It's going to be wonderful. So we just want to let you know, if you have the opportunity to be here for the midweek service, it's going to be such a blessing. He was going to do the last Sunday of the month, but... Canada and, and the United States now have all these different mandates. You have to be double vaxxed and different things like that to be able to. They wanted to make sure they were able to get home. So they changed their tickets to uh, get home early. They cut things short. They're out here for the Thanksgiving holiday. But uh, they're going to be here Wednesday night. So if you get a chance to be here Wednesday night, you'll be really, really blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready to get into the word this morning? I said, are you ready to get into the Word this morning? Let's do that. Amen. You got your Bibles with you? I want you to open with me to Romans, the first chapter, and start in the 18th verse. We were reading here, I think it was two Wednesday nights prior uh, from this verse. We're going to go a little bit direct, a little bit different direction this morning with it. I'm going to be talking about the consequences of a life of praise I thought about naming it the consequences of Thanksgiving, but we all know what that is. That's about 10 to 15 extra pounds. And so I was going to go a different direction this morning. Lots of gravy, lots of potatoes. <laughs> what a culture we have here. We just love to eat, don't we? When we celebrate things, we eat. And so we're celebrating what God did yesterday. So today we're going to eat. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. And so today we're going to receive from heaven. But I was uh, going to go a different direction. Uh, but this morning I woke up and the Lord said, I want you to talk about the effects or the consequences of praise or the life of praise. And I thought, well, Lord, you know, I, I don't always have a seasonal message, a Thanksgiving message. Well, this isn't a seasonal activity either. In other words, we don't praise only during the month of November. It's not something that's seasonal. It should be the life of a believer. Praise should be the life of a believer. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And I believe you'll get a word in due season and a word that you can use right away. Amen? So you have that on the screen. If you could put that Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Could you put that up here for me to read as well? Uh, if not, I'll go ahead and open to it. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Let's pray as we get into the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, uh, the word of God, the scripture says, is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder between spirit and soul. I thank you that your word is a sword today. Hallelujah. And it enters in and pierces into our spirit, makes alive 
your truths to our heart and becomes a part of us. And because of it, your word that removes burdens, destroys yokes, the anointing on that word will cause our faith, hallelujah, to rise up and take hold of what belongs to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who holds the truth in unrighteousness because that 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 because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so, they, uh, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, this is what I want you to see here, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And then we can read on, but I wanted you to see this progression here. Verse 21 again says, these are people that knew God. It says, because they knew God. How many know God? Okay, so this could apply to you. You're a believer. You have a relationship with God. These people knew God, according to the scripture. But they glorified him not as God. And then underline this, neither were they thankful can we repeat that can we say that together let's say it together ready read neither were they thankful and so see the progression here number one they didn't glorify God number two they weren't thankful we're gonna really concentrate on that today it says but they became vain in their imaginations and their hearts were darkened or their foolish hearts we're darkened. Notice it says foolish. You see, if you're not a thankful person, that would be a life of foolishness. It would pay high dividends, in fact, to be a person that lives the life of thankfulness. Or you can interchange that with the word praise. Now, if you read on in this scripture, in this context, you'll see the type of people that knew God who slipped in these areas in their life, what they became, who they became. The Bible says they were truce breakers. They were rebellious. The Bible even goes as far as saying that begin, they begin to go against the natural use of their own bodies. They were given over to vile things. I don't really have to define that, nor do I really want to go into that. But it's possible that anyone among us could go into the deep end. You know, I'm not preaching on that today, but it, you know, let's, let's just introduce this message by saying that. It's possible that you could be at a high note in your walk with God and really have a good relationship with God. And then your eyes can become darkened. Your heart can become darkened. And you can begin to do things you never imagined 
or never dreamed that you would ever do. In fact, it could have been things that you were against. It could have been certain principles and standards that you were taught growing up that weren't right. But now you see yourself participating in those things. And you think, well, how could the person that we've seen in church or how could a person that we grew up with, we, they were raised in the things of God, go to the deep end and be doing the things that they're doing? And even in today's uh, culture, we see people doing things and we've accepted certain things and, and we've even said, well, they were born that way. You know, well, it's because they were born that way or it's all right now because we have societal truth and we don't want to be offensive. And there's, all, there's a myriad of different reasons and excuses and, and there's ways that the church has really overlooked and watered certain truths down so that we could appear like we're Loving everybody. Well, you can love everybody even in the darkest of their lives, and you should. But it doesn't mean that certain things are right. And the sad thing is, is we know people that were on fire for God, that were really serving God, and they did a complete 180 and started doing the things that they were delivered from. And have you ever wondered, how did that happen? How did they get to that place? And could that ever happen to anybody else? Well, I believe right here in the scripture, we can find out some simple truths as to how to safeguard our heart and keep us uh, from going in these directions that are away from the things of God. Because it's possible that anyone in here or any pastor at that, or any believer, can get to the place where they're doing things that they preached against, believed against, have come against, and is even ad adverse to what the Bible teaches. How is it that someone can be so deceived? Well, the scripture here brings out some steps, and I believe the first step is people stop glorifying God. The second step, and this is what we're talking about, is they become unthankful or ungrateful and no longer do they live a life of praise. Amen. And so it's possible that if you're not a person who's thankful for everything and anything that God's done in your life, it'll cause your heart to be darkened to some truths and put you in a position where you're easily deceived. Hallelujah. If you start going after love in all the wrong places, then you're not thankful for the love that you found in this place right here in the Scripture. Nor is there a realization that it actually, actually exists. But when you're thankful that God loves you, you're not an insecure person. And you don't have to look for love in other places because you believe you have all the love that you'll ever need. Hallelujah. Can you see how an unthankful heart can turn into a deceived heart? You can even get that way in, an, in a relationship or a marriage where you quit seeing the things that are being done for you. And you know, every day for some people, for 20 some odd years or 30 years, your spouse made sure when you came home there was dinner on the table. 
But for some reason, over the years, we can get so familiar that we're not thankful for some of the little things and they become expectations. And then all of a sudden, the responses one toward another, maybe the affection or maybe even physical response or maybe certain things that you used to do that you enjoyed doing with each other, you've drawn cold in your heart towards each other. Why is it sometimes we aren't grateful for the little things? Does that happen in a relationship sometimes? And so uh, I think I was with you, Brother Eric, the other day, and we were walking through a parking lot, and you found a dime, and the first thing out of your mouth was, well, thank God, that's the grace of God, or that, that's God. And that's not much money. That don't, that don't pay for much. I don't even think a dime you can put in a bubblegum machine and get a piece of bubblegum anymore, right? But every little thing, be thankful for it. And so I want to talk about this today because if you slip in this area, you can easily be deceived and get to the place where you're only thankful for yourself. You can get the, to the place where you're only thankful for the things that you've achieved or you're only thankful for the things that you've accomplished in your life and your focus gets on you or your focus gets on what you're going through or what you got yourself through instead of what God got you through or what God brought to your life and you turn into a person who's ungrateful, who glorifies themselves, gets vain in their imagination, and all of a sudden their heart, the Bible says their foolish heart is darkened, come on somebody, and then you turn to a person you really never dreamed could ever exist in your home, and things turn in a bad way in your life. Could that happen to you? Yeah. Could you safeguard that? Yes. Can you cultivate a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. Is this a seasonal message? No. This is something that we should do all the time. Amen. Always. All the time. His praise shall continually, the Bible says, fill our mouth. Can you say amen? amen. Give God a big shout this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to get into this. So how much time do you spend praising God? Uh, what What is the... Uh, what is the motivation of why you praise God? Some people want to be heard, so they only praise God when they're heard on a stage or when people can hear them at church. Some people, the only time they praise God is when there's a praise service or a worship service. But there are those that will praise when there's conflict. There are those that will praise in their darkest hour, not their brightest hour. That's the easiest time to praise God. In the brightest hour. Then there are those who look at the mechanics of praise and think, well, if it can bring good things into my life, I'll praise God for that. If it'll bring finances into my life, which it does, I'll do that. I ask you today, what's your motivation in this? Because that's the key. Uh, it's the greatest simple indicator of where your your heart is and your relationship is right now with God. Your praise will indicate where you're at in your relationship with God. See, God wants to relate to you in every area of your life to the point where you can turn around and say, 
I've got this job because of God. I got this dime because of God. I got this spouse because of God. I got these clothes because of God. I drive this car because of God. It may not be the nicest car. It may not be the biggest house. It may not be your dream job. It may not be what you've uh, always wanted. But you have something. There's people that don't have anything. There are people that don't have a bicycle. There are people that don't have legs to walk. There are people that barely get out of bed and can hardly breathe. Come on, somebody. You say, well, I can hardly breathe. But you can breathe. Think about what you can do. Think about what you do have. Think about where you're at right now. And can you relate God into that situation and say, I have what I have right now because of God. All we can talk about sometimes is what's diminishing in our life or what we don't have. And we almost boast about it or what we've been through. But when you're praising God through a relationship, you're always boasting at what you do have. In other words, it's not about how empty your glass is, but it's the fact that you still have something in your glass. Come on, somebody. And if you've got something in your glass, then God's still working on you. And so faith is really the highest expression of faith. Praise is. Come on. When you're living a life of praise, it automatically keeps you in the lane of faith. It's impossible for you to be a praiser and not be in the lane of faith. It's impossible for you to be thankful and not stay in the lane of faith. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Come on, I'm just getting warmed up here today. And if we live by faith, then we want to stay in the lane of faith. And so on purpose, you can wake up and give thanksgiving. On purpose, you can go to bed even on your darkest night, even in your worst day, even at the, the, the day of conflict in your life. You've got breath, and so you can praise God. Come on, somebody. I've seen some of you go through some of the most horrific things in your life and have been with some of you at those moments and have heard you give God praise when in the natural it seemed like there was no reason at all to do it. And so there's something about the praise of a believer who's got a relationship with God. The motivation is not to get something from God. The motivation is not to treat God like he's a soda machine and I like this and I like that so I'm going to praise here and I'm going to confess this. It's not even something that's, that's an effort. It's almost as if it's effortless because it's such a natural response because you live in a life of recognition that everything that you have right now it's because of God hallelujah and you realize that God's in control of your life hallelujah and if he's got everything in the palm of his hand then everything's going to be all right hallelujah so let's get into this Hallelujah. I've got some reasons why we praise. Amen. I've got some reasons and some consequences. Uh, let, let's just use that word. There's some consequences. You know, we've heard a lot of messages about the consequences of our actions, uh, the consequences of our sin, right? The consequences of a lot of things. But today I want to talk about what happens when you praise. What happens to the believer when he lives a life of praise? 
And so briefly, let me just give you these headlines, and then we'll talk about them. If we don't get through it, we'll use another day to do it. Number one, uh, when you're praising God, especially during a time of conflict, number one, it amplifies your faith. Praise amplifies your faith in two ways. It causes, first, your faith to thrive. And then secondly, it keeps you in proper focus. How many believe that you need to be in proper focus when it comes to faith? Number two, this is a consequence of praise. And I love this one. It runs off the devil. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'll say that again if you're taking notes. It runs off the devil. Turn to your neighbor and say, your praise runs off the devil. Number three, hallelujah, the, uh, the praises of a believer ministers to God. The praise of a believer ministers to God. And then the fourth thing, if we get into this, the earth gives way when people praise God. The earth gives way when people praise God. All right? So you ready to get into this? Your praise, it should not be the uh, caboose. (laughs) It should be the engine. In other words, oftentimes we only praise God after or at the end of a blessing. But the engine that drives my life has to be the engine of praise. So number, number one, as we introduce this, praise is not something you do after you've received something only. But praise is the engine that runs the life of a believer that's in faith. It's not the caboose. It's the engine. Hallelujah. Now, check this out. Go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 through 7. Oh, I'm so excited about this message. It's going to be really, really good today. You you excited? Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. We're going to read it first in the King James Version. Then we'll go to the New Living Translation. But notice what it says here in verse 6. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. And then look here established in the faith. Everybody say that out loud. Established in the faith. As you've been taught, and then look at the next phrase, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now notice the word uh, established. The word established. You know, if you notice, you've got an all-call t-shirt, and it says established 2021, right? That's, that's when it started. We understand that's what it means. But we see a root word out of the word establish. The root word we see there would be the word stable. So when you see the word established like an establishment, we know in and out Burger is an establishment. It's been around a long time. And I like that we put that on the t-shirts because the all-call tour is going to be around a long time. You know, Faith World Church, it's been around a long time. It's, you know, the corporation was established a long time ago, 2001. 
So that means it's went through a lot of tests. It's went through a lot of struggle. We don't talk about the struggle, but we've went through a lot of different times, seasons. We've went through a pandemic. You think about just what we've went through in, at the, since the end of 2019 as, as a whole, the church. You know how many churches that were established shut down and stopped and quit? And so understand when we talk about being established in the faith, we're talking about a believer that's stable. We're talking about a believer that goes through trials and struggles and seasons and times of adversity and sometimes persecution and sickness and disease and suffering and, and sometimes death and are faced with certain issues, but they're still standing. Hallelujah. When we were kids, we used to, uh, we, when the kids, when our kids were young, we had the, they had the toy that was pretty popular at the time. It was them, they called them Sockum Boppers. Remember those? They were blow-up toy that was weighted on the bottom, and they would punch those, and the top was so light it would fall to the bottom, but because it was weighted, it would pop back up. And that's what happens to a believer that's established in the faith. You become weighted, you become uh, rooted, grounded. We see that in the Scripture, right? Rooted and built up in Him because there's times when you're going to get hit or punched or knocked down. But the person that's in faith always gets back up. Come on, somebody. I was always taught by my, my grandfather. He said, if you ride a horse, son, and if you get bucked off that horse, get right back on. Because if you, get back, if you stay off, you'll always have a fear or you'll always have this thing in the back of your head that it's going to happen again but if you violate that and get right back on it and that's the thing about the life of a believer that stands in faith that's established in faith come on somebody you're going to get hit you're going to go through tribulation you're going to go through trial Jesus said be of good cheer because I've overcome the world he said in this world you'll have much tribulation right but he said be of good cheer why because I've overcome the world and so when you do get attacked or when you do get hit come on somebody somebody that's established in the faith he's weighted he's rooted he's grounded in the word of God and he always comes back and stands back on his feet so it's not that you're going through something, but it's you're not boasting about what you're going through. You're abounding with thanksgiving therein. How is it that a believer can be so established in the faith? How is it that they can be knocked down so many times, but they're still standing? Come on. What is it that causes a person to have this establishment where they're so rooted and so grounded in the faith that every time I see them go through a struggle, they're still standing? What is it that we see? What's the element? They're abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving keeps you established. Established in what? In the faith. Thanksgiving keeps your faith flourishing. Hallelujah. That's the first point right here that we see. And the thing about the word abounding, we, we understand what establishment means. The, the word abound means to superabound in a quantity 
and quality, come on somebody, or to be in excess. In other words, you can be in excess with thanksgiving. You can have quality praise and quantity praise and excess praise and that kind of praise will have you so established that nothing can knock you out. Come on, somebody. I don't know if y'all are getting anything out of this, but this really blessed me as I was going through these scriptures today. Look here in the New Living Translation. Let's read it here. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, and now, are we there yet? Am I going too fast? New, you don't have the New Living Translation? Let me, let me read it to you. It says, and now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Notice that. You've you got to continue to follow him. And sometimes there's, there's distractions, deceptions, and that's why people get off track, right? But it says, as you've received Christ in the King James, so walk ye in him. Here it says, you must continue to follow him. Then he says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then it says, then your faith will grow strong. In other words, that's a faith that flourishes. And in truth, you were taught. And you will overflow with what? Thanksgiving. And so when we stop struggling with the fight and start celebrating God, we are sure to see victory every single time in our life. Amen? Praise causes your faith to thrive. You'll always be at your highest form of faith when you're in praise, when you're living a life of thanksgiving. You'll, you'll always find yourself, just as we've said, in the lane of faith. Psalms 34, verse 1 through 2 in the New Living Translation says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. The King James says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his praises. I will boast only on the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. I love what it says. I will praise the Lord continually, but he says, I will boast only in the Lord. Now understand this, because I know a lot of people that like to talk about their struggle. I know a lot of preaching that is out there today that only preaches on the struggle or on the pain or on the suffering. And when you're talking about the struggle, you're not boasting on God because God has nothing to do with the struggle. Let, let me just say this. If all you can talk about is your sickness and your disease and your suffering and your pain and what you're going through, and that's all people hear, then that is what we could describe as boasting on the symptoms. Because anything you boast about, that's the topic of your conversation. That's the highlight of what you're talking about. You ever seen people that boast about themselves all the time? They, they, they're just so big-headed, high-minded, that all they can do is talk about themselves, their achievements, what they've done. There's people in the church that actually have a problem with that. 
I think I said it last Sunday night. You know, I had a person come up to me and say, you know, you ought to let me sing sometime. I can sing like it's nobody's business. If you got to tell somebody how good you are all the time, then you got a problem. And I can tell you right now, you're going to have a faith problem. Because it's obvious that you got more faith and more trust in yourself and your ability than you do God. But somebody that's flourishing in faith, someone that's thriving in faith, is always going to highlight God. They're always going to talk about how big God is, how good their God is, even if they're going through a situation. You know, it's possible you can have an x-ray and have magnified on that x-ray a tumor or a symptom or a cancer or a problem, and all of a sudden fear and unbelief comes in, and all you can talk about is, well, I hope I don't have this, or I, you know, it looks like I got this, or, you know, I'm going through this sickness, or I'm going through this disease. And when you're talking about that, what you're doing, is you're boasting on the symptom come on somebody and that breeds unbelief because now it places your focus not on God but what you're going through it's possible that if all you do is talk about what you're going through that you're going to magnify it to the point that you'll never get out of that situation that's why what praise will do when you put the attention on God is it'll get you out of your situation it'll get you through your problem it'll get you through the sickness it'll get you you know we're not called to camp out and put a pop tent in our problem and in our poverty no we're going through something Hallelujah. But we're not staying in the situation. And if you want to get through it, you're going to have to get through in faith. And the only way to get through in strong faith, come on, is to have the, 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 the life of praise. <laughs> and what did he say? I'll bless the Lord. I'll, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. You can't have a praise leader or worshiper or someone do it for you. They're helping you do that. They're trying to push you into the creek to do that. But you've got to do it yourself. You don't have to be the best singer. You don't have to have the best voice. But if you've got a relationship with God, you don't care what other people think about your voice or what you sound like. You're focused on God. And you're focused on going through, not staying in your situation. I'll boast of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're walking around saying, well, I, I hate my car, man. It's just, I wish I had a car like that. Or I, I hate this apartment. I wish I had a house. Or I hate my job. Or I hate, the, I, it's just ridiculous that I have to do this. I shouldn't be working a job like this. Or I, I can't stand my life. Or I don't like my, what you're doing is you're boasting still. But you're boasting on the wrong thing. I hate my. Notice the attention is on my. And you don't have to be puffing yourself up, but you can puff the problem up. <laughs> you don't have to be talking about your accolades to be boasting. You could be talking about your problems all the time, and that's still boasting. Or you can make a decision, I'm going to talk about God all the time. Glory to God. In a one-bedroom apartment with five people in that apartment, you can still boast on God. In a broken-down 1982 Pinto, you can still honor God. Come on, somebody. It don't matter what you have right now. Quit boasting on what you have and boast on who you have. What you have don't mean nothing. What you have doesn't determine how rich you are. How much you have doesn't determine how blessed you are. 
What you wear doesn't say anything about you. What kind of job you have, it doesn't put you in a certain ranking with God. No, I'll tell you what makes you who you are. And I'll tell you what will cause rooms of favor to open up for you. Even right now at the lowest stage in your life, if you'll be a person that boasts on God and brags on God, even in your lowest phase in life, God will continually elevate you from one place of promotion to another place of promotion. Get your eyes off of other people's promotion. Get your eyes off of other people's blessing. Quit comparing yourself to other people and look to your God. God, you see, if you start comparing yourself and think, well, I should be here, I should have this, or that, you know, what you're gonna do is you're gonna get into the, the you're gonna get into the realm of boasting. Whether it's boasting on someone else or boasting on yourself, it's not boasting on God, and it breeds insecurity there's too many insecure believers today there's no reason that anybody that's born again and saved by his grace come on somebody and redeemed and brought into the covenant that you're brought into should be insecure of anything i don't care what country you're from i don't care what race you are if you're born again you ought to be the most secure people on the planet Hallelujah, because if you know that you got God, you got everything. Everything. Amen, you you don't got to compare yourself to anybody. If you're going to have comparisons, then look to Jesus. Nobody compares to him. And if you're in Christ, you're equal with him. You can't get any better than you are right now in Christ. Did you hear me? You can't get any more righteous than you are. You can't get any more qualified than you are. You can't get any more blessed than you are. You can't get any more prosperous than you are. You say, well, yeah, I could. I could have a better job. You, listen, better job is a byproduct of a better thought. Or let me, let me change it. It's a, it's a truth that's developed a faith on the inside. Of it. A better belief. Belief that's born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So let me, let me say it this way. You can't get any more well off than you are right now in Christ Jesus. You're as blessed as you'll ever be. You're as prosperous as you'll ever be. You're as healed as, you're, as you'll ever be. Now see, we got to get the, the external to match the internal. So it starts with belief. So he who has begun a work on the inside of us He's faithful to complete it. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A and the Z, and he's everything in between. Come on, somebody. He's the beginning. He's the end. What he has started in us, he will complete. But don't stunt the growth of the seed of the Word of God with ungratefulness. Thankfulness will accelerate the blessings and will accelerate your faith and take you to the top all the way. You say, top of what? The top of everything that he showed you that you're supposed to be doing or where you're supposed to be in the natural. Come on. He's faithful to complete that, but you've got to be in the lane of faith. (laughs) Glory to God. Y'all getting something out of this? The Lord's good, right? He's helping us. We say, you say, how do I do it? It's simple. You, you don't have to have a whole lot to say. Just be thankful. I, Lord, I thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, say, Lord, I thank you. 
He said, well, I don't like what I see. <laughs> well, you need to start loving yourself. Because you're the creation of God. I'm not, I'm not saying be in love with yourself in pride, but you can't love other people if you can't start by loving yourself. You say, well, I don't like my ears, or I don't like my nose, or I, I'm, I'm fat, or I'm, I'm this, or I'm that, or whatever. You, you know what? Quit boasting about those things that you don't like and look at yourself and say, I'm the creation of God. I'm made by God. I'm made in the image of God. God, I thank you. I thank you. Glory to God that I'm able to wake up this morning. Can you, can you count some blessings in your life? You say, well, I haven't had any in a while. Then go as far back as you can remember and start there. Right? And then start imagining. Use your imagination. It's a very powerful tool. Start imagining out in the future some things that you can see God bringing you into and go ahead and thank him in, in advance for it. Hallelujah. Instead of cursing what you have right now by boasting on it, either in a bad or negative way, start blessing what you have. In other words, you can bless a 1982 broken down Pinto, right? You can bless a 1987 Honda Civic LX without a door and a mirror, right? What would be a good way to be grateful for what you have? Maybe wash it. Maybe appreciate it. Maybe vacuum it out. Maybe get one of them trees that have scents with it that makes it smell a little better. But take what you do have and put a little gratefulness on it and a little bit of seasoning. You, and season it with grace, with words of grace and say, God, I know this isn't where I'm headed. I know I've got a much bigger family than what this house can hold, but I thank you that i got a roof over my head. And I thank you that this roof over my head has a pantry that you can fill. And I thank you, Lord, that what I do have, it's because of you. And you know what? You'll find your faith will soar from there and take you as you're boasting on God for what you do have to a whole nether level of increase in your life. And it happens like that every time. Can you say amen? King James says, I will bless the Lord when? I'll bless the Lord when? In other words, I'll praise the Lord when? And you mean even in my worst, my worst, my worst situation? I can't thank God for this. He didn't say bless God for all things. He says bless God in all things or in every situation or in every place that you're at. You still have a reason and you still have something that you can reach back to in your memory banks and say, God, you brought me through then. And if you brought me through then, what I'm going through right now is nothing for you. I know that if you're bringing me to a place, I'm not going to be moved at what I'm going through right now. Glory to God, because you've always taken me from one place to another. You've always taken me from a one level of glory to another. I've been through this and I've been through that and I've been through all these other things. How many can look back in the 90s and see where God brought you through? How many were facing maybe some insurmountable odds before you weren't born probably or maybe you were just a child? But we've all been through certain times or eras where we've experienced certain things in our life that we don't want to go back to. But you can look back and say, I don't know how I made it. And if it wasn't for God, I probably wouldn't still be here. But I'm here today. And if God can bring me through that, he can get me through anything. Hallelujah. So today, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. 
Could you do that if the doctor said you got a week to live? Yeah, it's the best time to do it. <laughs> yeah, and it says his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Do we have an example of that in the Bible? Yeah, Job. Job didn't have the revelation that you and I have, nor was he under the redemption contract <laughs> or covenant. He went under the covenant we, that we're under, yet with his lack of understanding of all that was going on, he thought God was the one taking everything from him, bringing all the destruction. He said this, he said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. What did he, he said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. What was he saying? I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm trusting you no matter what. And he thought God was doing it. He thought it was God that was doing it, bringing all the sickness and the death and all these things. He thought God was bringing him through this and, and, and putting these things on him. But it wasn't God. He got revelation later. We all got revelation later because Job said with his own words, the very thing that I feared has come upon me. Fear opened the door for all of it, but yet God in his mercy had a man that thought that God was doing this to him. He had this idea that even God, if you're doing this, I'm still going to trust you. Boy, that's some stability. That's some faith. That's some, you know, fortitude. A man that says, yeah, God, you take my foot. I'm still trusting you. You can knock me out and hit my kneecaps and break my bones and do all these things. I'm still going to trust you. Yeah, God wouldn't do that. God's not in the business of doing that. But even in a darkened understanding, Job still said, I'm going to trust you. That is is a commitment to a relationship with God even when, when he didn't have revealed to him all of the nature of God. He still knew a portion of God that enabled him to say, no matter what you do to me, I believe in you, I trust you, I know that I'm going to make it and even if you're doing this to me, you're going to bring double back to me. Well, imagine you and I with the revelation that we have about God. Thank God for the written word and the things that we can read about. Now we see a side of God that even people in the Old Testament never seen. God don't put sickness and disease on people. Right? God don't put hard times on you just because, just because he's upset at you and wants you to go through these things to teach you a lesson. Right? God, God don't discipline you like that. There is discipline, right? There is instruction. There is correction from God. But God doesn't use these things. That's the devil. And yet we're in a cursed world, but yet we don't see by, you know, with our natural eyes the hand of God doing certain things in the earth. But by faith, faith in, in what we can see in the word of God, we still got to have a commitment that says, even though I can't see you, I'm trusting you. Even though I'm surrounded by an enemy that I can see, I know there are more with me than there are against me. Right? So I'm going to trust you no matter what, God. Hallelujah. Because I know your hand is working on my behalf. By faith, you're praising God. 
You're thanking God. You're boasting on God. You can have a problem on the job and say, God, your hand is bigger. You could have a mandate on the job to get vaxxed and you have a conviction not to. And if you don't, you could lose your job. And in your mind, you're thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But yet, by faith, you can say, God, I thank you. Your hand is bigger. I remember in, in, it, during the housing crisis, we never really talked about it, but I can now because I can, I can show you how the hand of God worked. When we lost our house, and a lot of people in the church lost their house, and some people bought at the wrong time, some people you know, dealt with the corruption of the banks and different things like that. And I remember being so disheartened and, and upset and Really, you know, we didn't want to lose our house. We didn't want to go through that. The Lord blessed us with that house. And I went to God and God said, don't you think I can do better? I mean, we're about to hand the keys over, you know, and we're crying and we're disappointed. And God spoke to my wife and I both and said, I can do better. That's what God told me. He said, I can do better. And that carried me through one of the toughest financial times in our life, he said, I can do better. That's all he said. He said, I can do better. Can you trust me? And I said, well, if you can do better, then you're going to have to outdo everything we've done in this, everything we put into it. And you know, he did. It didn't happen right away. But when he did, and you know, right now, the Lord said the same thing to me because there's some things that, you know, he's speaking to us about. And he's saying, quit holding on to where you're at. I can do better for you. Sometimes God will bless you with something and the assignment's up with that. You understand what I'm saying? And when the assignment's up with that, he's going to take you from one good place to a whole nother better place. And sometimes the letting go of the good place and we have our eyes on it makes us think, well, I'm, I'm losing something. Understand. When you give something, God's saying, I can do better for you. Sometimes when you decrease, you put yourself in a position for increase. Does that make sense? You understand that principle. So don't be disheartened if you're not where you once were. God's getting ready to get you into a better place. And don't get, this is a good word for somebody. Don't get settled with where you're at and thinking this is the best that I'll ever have. God always wants to take you from one level of blessing to another level of blessing. If you think that you've capped out with the blessing that God's blessed you with, you're mistaken. God wants to bless your socks off to the place where you're increased so much that you have to get rid of some things and now that you have a revelation that you're blessed to be a blessing, getting rid of something is a good thing for you. Getting rid of something is a place of praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Because you'll look at another person's life thinking, I was there once. And God, if you did it for me, you'll do it for them. And now you're woven into the fabric of God's plan of blessing the entire universe. How could I be a part of that? you got to realize that you're not 
at the final place of blessing in your life. He wants to take you from one level of glory to another level of glory. And if you sense that the assignment's up for where you're at, then get ready because he's taking you to a whole other place. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. I don't know what that means, you know, but I know what it meant for me. Yeah. I know what it meant for me at the time when I had to give up something or something was taken or I had to make a choice. Do I want to keep this and, and, and try to fight for this? You know, and be stuck with this huge payment with these huge interest payments and balloon payments or do I want to put myself in a position for better? And when I said, okay, God, I'm trusting you. What was I trusting? What he told me, I can do better. And you know what he did? He did better. And you know what he's about to do more for us? Better. You know what he's going to do for the church? Better. Amen. And sometimes we look at certain things in life and think that's a step back. No, that's not a step back. It's really a step forward. But if you, <laughs> let, me, let me put it this way. Uh, in the natural, sometimes you go through an inventory of things that you have. And you clean out closets. <laughs> you know, my, my wife, she used to love watching that show, Hoarders. Anybody watch the show, Hoarders? Finally, I told her, I said, you watch that enough, you're going to get a spirit of poverty in your thinking. Because every one of them people that are hoarding stuff have a spirit of poverty on that, on that show. So one lady had like 80 cats in her house, and the house was a, was a single-wide mobile home. No joke. Can you imagine what that smelled like? It's like after a while, you've got to get rid of some things or it's going to start stinking up the place. And I'm not, I'm not talking about cats, but I'm talking about some things the Lord's blessed you with, but he blessed you with it for the reason of blessing others. But if you hold on to it too long, you're going you're gonna to find yourself that that thing's stinking in your house. And sometimes, you know, you ever, you ever went through your pantry? And when you got kids, you go through the pantry and you see there's, there's bags with, you know, you think you're out of bread, but stuffed in the back somewhere, there's, there's a bag, there's, there's a couple slices in there, but they're, they're different colors now. <laughs> or they're hard as a rock, or you've got potatoes that are growing other potatoes on them. All kinds of stuff like that. And so you clean certain things out. One day we cleaned out the pantry and realized, we've got to fill this up. One day we cleaned out the fridge and realized this thing had a bunch of leftovers that we never touched. We got we to gotta fill this thing up. After we cleaned it out, it was empty. And some things God wants to fill in your life, but he can't fill it unless there's a clearance. Amen. Does that minister to anybody? I mean, I know we've kind of went a different direction with this, but I, I think God's speaking to your heart. This is a prophetic word for some of you. He wants to fill your barns, but you've got to have a barn that's ready to receive. Right? And sometimes if we're holding on to something thinking that's it, you're mistaken because that's not the best God can do. And until he returns, his job and his intent and his desire is to get you more blessed, to get you to a higher place, to get, don't ever get content with where you're at. Always put yourself in a position where he can take you to another level of increase. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. That's why I've learned I live in a tent in this earth. I'm not going to get satisfied and I'm not going to get settled and say, well, this is where I'm camping out for the rest of my life. No, and I'm not talking about locations. I'm talking about assignments from God. You know what I'm saying? God wants to take you from one place of glory to the next. Amen. I said amen. 
Number two, no, well, it's not number two, it's the second part of this. Uh, praise causes your faith to really thrive. It does, right? But it also, uh, what praise will do is it'll get your focus in the right place. Man, I, I, I guess I'm not going to get through all this. <laughs> praise will get your focus in the right place. If you praise God, it'll redirect your attention on God and take the attention off your problem. Right? Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the devil will always try to direct your focus on the problem. He'll always try to direct your focus on what you don't have, who you're not yet, all these different things to breed a sense of insecurity and try to get you to climb to the top. God never called you to climb to the top. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Jesus climbed to the pinnacle so you'd never have to climb to that place. The moment you got in Christ, you received all of the achievements of His, come on, of His workings, His performance, His holiness, His righteousness, His efforts, all of the blessing that came about, all of His uh, law, you know, abiding life, where He, he fulfilled the law. He, he performed it. He fulfilled it, did everything that was in it, and didn't have one mistake. And the blessing was achieved by His righteousness, right? He put you in Christ and you got all that blessing. So it's not your job. It's a lie of the devil where he tells you, you got to do these things to try to get God to bless you. Right? And what praise does is praise get your focus on what Jesus has already done. Because if you got to do certain things, then afterwards, you're going to be telling everybody else, the way you get your blessing is if you'll do what I did, you'll be as blessed as I am. And that brings no glory or no, no, no honor to God. It brings glory and honor to your religion. Come on, somebody. But when God brings blessing into your life, it's because of your trust in what Jesus did. It's not even in trusting your prayer life. Well, you know, I prayed and we stopped, we stopped this movement in the city and, and the church came together and we prayed and we stopped this movement in the city. I've heard, you know, pastors stand up on the pulpit and say, I'll tell you why these certain things that are going on in the, in the city stopped is because we all band together and prayed. Well, what about the Holy Ghost? Did he have anything to do with it? Did God have anything to do with putting a stop to what the enemy was doing in the city? And you can tell when people are all about, well, it stopped because we prayed, or it stopped because of our confession of faith, or it stopped because we sang the praises. Could you imagine Jehoshaphat and his armies? God told them, go out there and send your praisers out there. And as they praised God, they, uh, the, they stilled the enemy, right? They, the avenger was out there and they stilled the avenger. The, the enemies fought against each other and killed each other off and they spent three days gathering the spoil. But they were praising God, right? Could you imagine the army saying, look what we did. No, they didn't. You know what they said? For the Lord is good. 
But if all you can talk about is, you know what? It's because we stop doing this. We stop cursing. We stop smoking. We stop. That's all self-righteousness. I'm, I'm not saying you go ahead and restart those things. When the Lord delivers you from something, it's the Lord that delivered you. If all you're saying is, I stopped this and I stopped that and I stopped this, well, then you did it. And more than likely, your efforts that you succeeded at, you'll eventually go back to it because you're trusting in yourself. But if it's the Lord delivered me and the Lord brought me out and I'm blessed because of that, then you're not worried about other people that have had the same problem coming around you because you want the same Jesus that delivered you to deliver them but if all you can do is give them a 20-step program to get them out of their problem that got you out, well, you're probably going to fall back into it because you trusted in yourself. Come on. Come on. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Yes. Yes. So what praise will do is it will focus your attention on who you're trusting in. Amen. If you prayed and you confessed the Word of God and you praised God and things turned and things changed, then you ought to say, it's because of God. Hallelujah. It's not because of my praise. It's not because of my prayer. It's not because of my confession. It's because of God. Hallelujah. My praise, my prayer, my confession is a response of God's grace. It's not trying to get God to do something. It's a response of what I believe God's already done. You see how that all ties in? It gets the focus on the right thing. If the focus is on you, then you'll become self-righteous. And you're going to get mad at other people because they're not joining in with you. And you start judging other people. See, you need to do what I do. If you don't do what I do, shut up. It's religion. But when your focus is on Jesus, it's completely off of you. And that's what praise will do. It'll put you in that arena. Amen? You all get something out of this? Hallelujah. So you can change your focus. And uh, the third, the second thing here, let's go through the second thing. Can I have 10 more minutes? Is this all right? Or five. Praise puts the devil on the run. I said praise puts the devil on the run. Now we're not praising to try to put the devil on the run, but when we're praising just effortlessly, because that's what we do. The devil, it's like it's, it pushes his button. You know, there's, anybody like to antagonize? Just for the fun of it. Lloyd, you're back there. I know. Yeah. He does, doesn't he? I can ask his wife. and It's just the nature of Lloyd. He's an antagonist. No, I'm just kidding. I've been accused of that in the home, you know, trying to dig at certain people. And there's certain things, you know, you grow up with kids. You know, I've got three kids. I know what digs at certain ones. I can say certain things. If I want to get them off my back, I can say a certain thing, and I know it's going to dig at them and shut them up. I do. I got something on all three of my boys. But you know what? For every one thing I got, they probably got five things on me. Right? But I got something that'll dig at the devil. Right? I know I can, I can remind him of his future. I can remind him of his past and all these things. But I don't even have to pay attention or even talk to him. You know, I remember watching not too long ago a show, years ago, actually it was years ago, uh, there was this deliverance guy, you know, in true pe people were being delivered, but he started talking to the 
the demons and devils. And I was just raised, you know, especially here in Brother Hagen, that you don't got to have a conversation with the devil. All you got to do is say the name of Jesus. You don't have to call out their names and talk to them. And I seen this guy talking to the devil or talking to the demons, calling out the name, Ichabus or all these. There were always strange names. Anonymous, and they were like Transformer Avenger names. How come all these demons don't have names like John, Peter, Paul, uh, Onisiphorus or something, something crazy? Thor. Yeah, that was what I watched. The guy said, I, I know who you are. He looked at the devil or the, the person that was possessed said, I know who you are. Your name is Thor, and you've been tormenting this individual for too long. And the, the demon would talk back and say, yes, I'm Thor. I'm Thor, and I'm staying here. He says, no, you're not. You're not going to stay here. Let's have a little talk, conversation. I'm Thor, and he's built a stronghold here, and there's many more Thorians with me, and I will not leave. I'm Thor. (laughs) Anyway, I was just captivated. It was on some YouTube video. You probably still find it. And I watched it. I'm thinking, this guy's having a 15-minute conversation with with this demon, and the only conversation, you know, that he should have with him is saying one name. What name is that? Because that, that name, every name that's named has to bow. I don't care what your name, if your name's Thor, John, Peter, Paul. I don't care what your name is. You've got to leave in the name of Jesus. Go. And that's it. Either the Bible's true or it's not. The name of Jesus is either strong or it's not. I don't got to have a conversation with you. I'm staying. No, you're not. Jesus, go. (laughs) Let's move on. Because some of that is glorifying the the devil. When you when you allow the devil to have its activity, you're glorifying that that activity, and you're in in essence, you're glorifying the devil. I remember one time (laughs) someone came into the service. When we first started back in 2001, came into our service and come up to Pastor Lisa and said, I got a devil. I just know I got a devil. I got a devil. I got a devil. She's, and Pastor Lisa says, no, you don't. She knew by word of knowledge. You don't, you don't got a devil. You're just being tormented and harassed and deceived. You ain't got a devil. No, I got a devil. I'm about to throw it up. She goes, well, you ain't throwing it up here, so go on somewhere else. You're not going to throw it up here in this office. <laughs> and they walked out, and that was it. But the, the most, most important thing we learned from that is some people just want attention. You ain't got a devil. You, you, you got a problem. You want attention. I remember back in the 90s before I was married, I was preaching at a church out in Tulsa area. And this person said, I got a devil. I said, no, you ain't got a devil. But I can't stop foaming. You know, I got a, I got, I'm choking. Something's choking me. I know it's a demon. I said, no, you got a word of knowledge. I said, you, you swallowed a fish bone. You were eating fish, weren't you? Because, yeah, how'd you know? I said, you swallowed a fish bone and, and it went down the wrong pipe and that's your problem. You think it's a devil. You're deceived. Quit glorifying the devil over every little thing that goes wrong. You just de- you ate too fast. Chew your food. Everything's a devil in some of these places. And they're church people. Everything's a devil. I can promise you that that person has got a problem in their praise life. They're so focused on problems all the time. And it's going to increase problems. You'll be problematic in everything you touch. But what praise will do is it will put the focus on God. Amen. Let me finish these two scriptures here. Praise puts the devil on the run. 
Praise puts the devil on the run. Say that out loud. Praise puts the devil on the run. Look at Matthew 21, 16 real quick. It says, and, and said unto him, I'll read it. Jesus said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Out of the mouth of what? Babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. You know, I had Marvel in my arms yesterday, and I was just, during worship, uh, Brother Joey was playing the guitar, and Marquise was up there playing, and I was just kind of praising God, singing along, and he loved that. He loved that. You could take any child, and if they're just thrown a fit, you could actually settle them just through praise. You can. There's something about that that babes will gravitate towards. Praise and worship. You know, I, I know our children, I remember when we would have praise and worship going or Pastor Lisa would be on the piano and she's pregnant, the babe would just leap in her womb when we, when we play worship. Why? Because there's something about praise that brings in a presence. That's a whole other thing I was going to talk about. You know, when... In, in the book of Chronicles, when they said, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, and they began to sing praises to God, a weightiness came in. A heaviness came in. And the Bible said the priest, it was so heavy, the atmosphere, that they couldn't stand to minister. That means they gave way. They fell out under the power. It can get so heavy in your house. The presence comes and sits to the place where the devil can't, he can't exist in that realm. Where there's light, there's darkness don't exist. You understand? So you're not trying to get the devil to run, but when you're praising God, uh, there's something about a realm that gets so heavy that all of the other things that the devil's bringing has to flee, has to go, has to move out, can't exist and that's what happened when they began to praise God. They said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. A weight came down to the place where they fell to their, their, they fell prostrate. They fell on their face because that's what happens when you praise God. It invokes a presence that drives out darkness. Hallelujah. Look at this last verse and we'll stop here. Look what he says. He said in Psalms 8 two. Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. You can put that on the screen. He said, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Think about that. Out of the mouth of babes, we're all the children of God. Children don't care about talent. Children don't care about what they sound like. Children aren't so dignified that they're worried about what other people think. Children aren't concerned about making noise come on somebody but somehow we've gotten so dignified that we want to be quiet but quiet people come on quietness sometimes is good but when it's time to praise it's not time to be quiet 
And one thing we need to learn, especially here in our churches today, both campuses, that when it's time to praise, it's time to make noise. Hallelujah. You say, well, I like quiet and just peaceful. You know, there's some things that won't be peaceful until you're loud. If you're disturbed and it's not peaceful where you're at, maybe in your home or on the job, you're going to have to learn to open up your mouth. And one of the tricks of the devil is to get you to stay quiet and keep your mouth shut. As long as the devil's got your mouth shut, he'll keep you on the run. But if you want to get the devil moving on the run, and you want to get darkness out of your room, and you want to invoke peace into your situation, you're going to have to learn to make some noise. You're going to have to be like a child and have childlike faith and not care what anyone else or everyone else thinks. Come on, and quit trying to be this perfected, dignified Christian where you look so religious. Sometimes, you know, one advertisement about a tire store said, tires ain't pretty, but everybody needs them. Well, sometimes when you're, on faith, when you're in faith, you're not so pretty. You're not so dignified. You don't care what other people think about you. You just want your child well. You just want your finances well. You don't care what everybody else thinks. You're just tired of going through the situation you're in. That's when you gotta learn, I'm gonna pray. God I'm going to open up my mouth I'm going to speak to the mountain come on and I'm not going to care what the neighbors think or say come on. we had a guy get diagnosed with colon cancer years ago in the church and uh, God delivered him praise God he got no trace of cancer in his body but he said one day I was out there and I was discouraged but I was mowing my lawn and I just started praising God I was concerned about what my neighbors thought he said I just started shouting and I started saying thank you Lord I'm healed in my body I thank you Lord cancer doesn't have room to exist in this body in the name of Jesus you gotta go he said thank you Lord by your stripes I'm healed and he said I started shouting and praising and singing and and it was louder than the lawnmower and the neighbors were looking over the fence like what's this strange guy doing but he said I went to the doctor and the cancer was all gone he said I don't care what anyone else thinks when you're going through something you can't be concerned about anybody but yourself and whether or not you're in the lane of faith because it's the faith of God that's going to keep you free yes. hallelujah. hallelujah glory to God and when you praise God it shuts the devil's mouth He's loud. He's he got no respect for you. He's going to mouth off and tell you who you're not and what you don't have. And he's going to tell you how sick you are. How many know he's going to harass you and sit on your shoulder until the day's end? But until you tell him to shut up, until you start praising God, he's going to stick around. But you're going to have to learn, I've got to speak up. Come on. Uh, and you can't, you can't ex expect someone else to do that for you. You've got to do it for yourself. And that stems from a relationship with God. It's not an effort that you're putting on to try to get things to change. It's, it's a gratitude. It's a recognition. God, your grace is, within me, is with me. Your hand is helping me. There's more with me than there are against me. I thank you, Lord. You've brought me through. You'll continue to bring me through. See, this ain't a seasonal deal. There's consequences when you live a life like this. And the consequences are blessing. It's the devil running and fleeing. Come on. It's God and his presence being invoked and coming into your situation. All these different things come. And it's your faith flourishing. Glory to God. You need your faith to flourish. Can you say amen? Did y'all get something out of that today?
Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a big shout. Let's do that right now. Praise God. Let's just open our mouth right now and let's just praise God. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Come on, just open up your mouth. Just begin to praise Him right now. Reach back into your past. Re reach back. Grab hold of your memory bank right now and remember when God brought you through. And talk about that. Share that with the Lord. Say, God, I praise you. I thank you. I thank you. Boast on God. Remember when you were without, didn't have anything, and He took care of you? Remember when physically you had an abnormality and God healed your body? Remember when you were in your darkest hour and He brought you through? Thank Him right now. Just praise Him. Hallelujah, I praise you, Lord. I praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, you might not have anything else to say, but just praise God. Let's sing it together right now. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, sing it, sing it, open your mouth and sing it unto God right now. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you do that at home? Can you do that in the car? Can you do that every day when you wake up? Can you cultivate this, an atmosphere of this? You know, this will really help. I think there's some people, you know, they got a problem with strife in their home. You know what will eliminate strife in the home? Just start your day off praising God. You know, if you got strife with your spouse, just start thanking God for your spouse. It's hard to, it's hard for you to be a thankful person to God for who He's brought into your life and then be in strife with that person. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank God. And every little thing and all the big things, just everything, with all your might, just give God praise and thanksgiving. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Well, give God a big shout this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we're dismissed, if you're watching today or maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus, it looks like I know everybody here. We've all received Jesus here, but maybe you're watching online right now and you've never called out to Jesus. If you call on the name of the Lord, He'll come and save you. He'll set you free. He, 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 he won't turn you down. I promise you there's nothing you've done that will cause God to turn away from you. He's running fast towards you right now. All you got to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you right now. And he'll come into your heart and radically change you. You'll become born again. Brand new person will be, will be recreated. Hallelujah. The old will be passed and a brand new life will begin for you. Pray this prayer with me right now. Would you do that? Say, Jesus, I believe you came for me that you took my place 
as a sinner. You took my sin. You took my shame. You took the guilt on that cross so I could be free. I reach out to you by calling on your name to save me. I believe that you rose from the dead and through that resurrection, the power of that resurrection, I can have a new start, a new life, a new beginning right now. Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. In Jesus' name, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth you as my Savior. And right now, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you're born again. You're saved. And God is starting a brand new work in you and wants to complete a perfect, finished work. What He's got for you is amazing. Press into Him, and God will show you what's yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Did y'all get something out of that today?